Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. This is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One day, the king of Babylon set up a tall gold statue. He told his people, Horns and pipe will play. When you hear the music, bow down. Worship the statue. If you don't, I'll throw you into a big fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they could only worship the true God. They heard the music, but they did not bow down. Someone told the king. He called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bowed down and worshiped the statue, he said. But they said, we will never worship a statue. The king was very angry. He called his servants, make the fire as hot as you can and throw these men into it, he said. So his helpers made a hot, hot fire. They threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. But the king could not believe his eyes. Suddenly, there was a fourth man in the fire. One looked at the Son of God. They were walking around. They were not burning. Come out, called the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. They were not burned. They did not even smell like smoke. The king was amazed. He praised God. He knew God had saved them. Good morning. Talk about a fiery furnace. Houston. Uh, many of you know that I come from San Diego, California. This is not San Diego, California. This morning we conclude our series on Bible stories we grew up on. Just a, raise your hand up high. How many of you grew up going to church? Not that you went every Sunday, but you grew up going to church. How many, keep your hands up. How many of you remember all these stories, right? You know, uh, Betsy was talking about the little felt guys. We called it flannel graph. You know, we had a flannel graph. And she's right. If you were good, you got the, the teacher allow you to put the things up on the wall. And this morning, like I said, we conclude uh, with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, and I realized, talking to my wife over the last couple of times, we sat and, and watched the little bumper, they call it a bumper video here about a little story. Those are kind of uh, how it was kind of laid out. It was kind of how I grew up. But I think there's a generation that might understand and appreciate this. Rack, Shack, and Benny, right? That's how you grew up. How many of you, and I kind of veggie tells she had that, but how many of you remember that version of Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, right? You kind of, whether you had kids or you grew up on it, in my household, my kids grew up on it, and we must have watched that video. I can't even tell you the number of times we saw that video come over and over again as we grew up. But this morning, we're going to take a look at another Bible story, uh, one that I grew up on, one I remember as a kid, and even the, <laughs> I can believe this or not, some things I can't remember, like the important things in life, but then I can remember the flannel graph of of uh, the furnace, and we got to each put the guy in it, you know. <laughs> Woo, can I put him in the furnace? That doesn't seem right, but we got to do that. And those are the stories I grew up. And here's the deal. I'm going to, in just a few seconds, I'm going to, we're going to pray. The Bible is chock full of stories. 
Many of them we grew up on in, in our childhood. But here's the deal. As adults, we need to take a new look at these stories as adults. And why the fond memories of the flannel graph are great to think back on. As adults, we need to say, God, what, what do I need to learn as an adult from this story? What, what do I need this morning? So I'm going to pause right here. We're going to pray. And I, I want to ask you to, to ask God that. God, what do I need to learn this morning from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What, what is it? What is, um, where does my life and that story intersect? What do you want me to walk away with? Because here's the deal. I want you to walk away with a new thought. I want you to walk away different. Not because of what I say. Because of what God's Spirit does in your heart this morning. So join me in prayer. You talk to your Creator. I'm going to talk for all of us. But you take a moment and just talk to your own Creator as I talk to God for all of us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning, what it represents. It represents a time where your people, your children can come together and learn from your word together. It represents a moment in time where those that are seeking you can come and hear and learn. And it represents a time that we can hear from you. Lord, I pray for each heart, each soul, that they would hear from you that they would walk away from here after hearing from you just a little bit different, changed in some way, transformed just a little bit more. Open our hearts. Give us ears to hear this morning. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Andy Stanley, author and lead pastor of uh, North Point Community Church, Atlanta, Georgia, began a series called The Five Things God Uses to Grow Our Faith with this thought and challenge. And I want us this morning, because I ran across this about a week or so ago, watching some videos, and uh, it just spoke to me. It, it, it just pushed me. And I, and I think God just said, you need to use this, Rob. I want you to use this this morning. And so this is what Andy started out with saying. Imagine, he said, take a moment, I want you to imagine. I want you just to think. Imagine what, it would be, what your life would be like if you had absolute, complete, full, unlimited confidence in these three things. Imagine this. That, God, that there really is a God. Some of you, you need to imagine that today. That there really is a God. A personal God who knows your name, knows you, knows your name. And a God that will walk beside you every day, promises to never leave you or forsake you. And I put in parenthesis, promises not to quit on you. And will see you through, over, and around everything that comes your way. Imagine that faith. An out of the box that no matter what happens, you trust God. Things get worse and worse. And you say to yourself, God knows what's going on. God has a plan. I'm just going to keep one foot in front of the other and do the next best thing, do the next right thing. I'm going to trust God. No fear. Imagine no fear. No anxiety. No nervousness. 
Why should I be afraid? I can't even control my next breath. I'm going to trust God. He has the plan for my life. Imagine that kind of faith. We start out this way this morning because the God of the Bible, the stories you read, the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's about a God that wants you not just to imagine, but to have, to live that kind of faith. And if you read the stories, that's what he's doing. He's working in the lives of the people within all those stories to help them move towards closer and closer to that big, out-of-the-box, are-you-kidding-me kind of faith. And he desires that for you, and he desires that for me. He's a God we can count on. And this morning, you might be sitting there thinking, I've heard that, Robert. Blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't think it's true. I don't think you can have that kind of faith on earth. I don't think it's possible. And then you bump into a story. We call it a children's story, but it's not really a children's story. You bump into a story of three guys. And you say to yourself, whoa, 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 back up the happy truck, Robert. These guys are superheroes. You know, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. More powerful than a locomotive kind of superhero. They're not. These are just three guys. First hour, I did this, I'm going to do this, this hour. Look around, look at three people. Just randomly look at three people, they'll look at you and you'll be all weirded out. But look around and look at three people, right? You're looking at three people. These three guys are just like those three people. The ordinary guys faced with an extraordinary situation in their life. Ordinary guys faced with an extraordinary situation in their life. If you have your Bible with you today, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. Or on your phone, you can pull up your Bible app. I like to do that every so often. I just want to warn you on the notes, I couldn't put the whole... Daniel chapter 3 in the notes because it was like a full page of words and I know what you would have done. You'd have pulled it out of your thing, you'd have gone, oh my goodness sakes, we're going to be here all morning. Well, you're going to be here all morning anyway. But anyway, so I just have chunks in here. What I want you to do is I want you, after we're done here today, go and read the story beginning to end. Maybe God's Spirit will take this morning and continue to cultivate it in your heart as you reread the story from beginning to end. But I want to back us up a little bit real quickly and just talk through Daniel 1 and Daniel 2 before we get to Daniel 3. Daniel 1 starts out about 600 years before Christ was born. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon went out to war and, and captured many people, all of people of Jerusalem. And among them, he deported to Babylon were four men from the tribe of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Here's, and you're wondering, where is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
Well, if you continue to read, in captivity, they were given new names. Daniel is called Babel, Belteshazzar. What a crazy name. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. Why the name change? Well, they captured them, brought them into Babylon. So they want to assimilate them. And so they need to rip the names off of them. Give them brand new names. Each of those names that they were given are names associated with a Babylonian deity, a god, little g, a god. Forced assimilation was what was going on. They, Babylon, the king, wanted them to forget about their god, their customs, their tradition, their faith, and wanted them to adapt into the Babylonian culture and faith. So the best way to do that back then because names meant big things back then, was to strip them of their name and give them a new name and say, this is who you are from this point on. In spite of all of that, these four Hebrews excelled in wisdom, knowledge, and found favor in the king's eyes and were put up pretty high in service with the king. Daniel chapter 2 comes along, and now we have a story about Daniel, and it talks about how the king had this crazy dream, and only Daniel could interpret it. And the king was very happy and excited about that. And because of that, the king elevates Daniel to, uh, to a position over a whole province of Babylon. And of course, as Daniel moves up, he wants to bring his three friends with him. So he says, hey, I would love to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king said, they're yours. Take them. And so they served with Daniel there, which now brings us to the story of Daniel 3. As it, and I'm not going to read it all. I'm just like I said, I'm going to read chunks. I'm going to speak out other parts of it. As common at the time, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this humongous image, 90 feet by 9 feet wide. Now, I heard the other day, just offhand, I could be wrong, but it's probably pretty close. From the floor here to up there, and I can't look up there because of my glasses, and it just kind of, oh, all the way up to the top, it's about 30 feet. Is that right, Randy? It's about 30 feet? It's close. Is it higher than that? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, let's just say it's 30 feet. Okay, let's just say that. All right. So just imagine three of these. That's things humongous. And it's nine feet wide. That doesn't seem a big enough base for it to stand up. But somehow they get that thing standing and it's up. And the king says this. Look, whenever my orchestra plays, this is what I want you to do. Everybody, I want you to bow down and to worship this image. And if you don't, that's okay. I'm okay with that. No, that's not what he says, right? If you don't, I'm going to throw you into the furnace. Now, the furnace was probably built to construct this image. So it's probably not too far from it. The furnace is there. So the music plays. The band strikes up a tune. Everybody falls down in an awkward moment for three guys. They're the only ones not on their knees. They're standing. Now, the people, there's some leaders within uh, the king's reign that probably didn't like these three guys. And so they thought, this is our chance. We're going to get rid of them. They go to the king. They tell the king, hey, there's these three guys. Everybody bow down. But these three guys, I guess they didn't feel the need to. And so I'm going to pick it up here on, on uh, verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar says to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
that you do not serve my gods or worship the image I've set up? He doesn't even wait for an answer. He just keeps going. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Very good. I'm going to give you a second chance here. Very good. But he doesn't stop there. But if you don't worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? This is what they just heard. I'm sure he wasn't like, okay, guys, just want to let you know. You need to really bow. I'm pretty sure he's probably in their face on this. Probably pretty stern. Says he was angry, very mad. As you as we'll find, he's, a, he's just an angry king. And he's in his face, and they're in his face, and they're, and they're confronted with this. And this is what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to him. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I'm sure that made the king happy. I'm sure that just, you know, just made him feel good. No, he probably got angrier and angrier. Then they go on to say this. If you were, if we were thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, I think that's a verse I caught when I got an adult, that section. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then it goes on to say that Nebuchadnezzar got furious with them. His attitude changed. He commanded the strongest soldiers in the armies to tie them up and throw them into the furnace. So these men, with an elaborate wardrobe, wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound up and thrown into a blazing furnace. The king commanded, was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. This was one of some little easy-bake oven. This was a furnace where actually people could be in it. Scholars seem to think it could get as high as 1,800 degrees. Now, to put that in perspective, your skin burns at 174 degrees. Your skin, as I like to say, Raiders of the Lost Ark, melts at 212 degrees. 1,800 degrees, there's no coming back from that. In fact, the scripture tells us they killed some people. It was so hot. And so the king, they get thrown into this thing, right? The story goes on to say that the king says, looks at somebody and says, Hey, didn't we just throw three guys in there? Yeah. Well, I see four guys in there. Four guys in there. I see four guys in there. And so the king says this, Oh, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar approaches the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out, come here. Many of you know this, I, I'm like, 
the youth pastor for many years. I look at that scripture and I see how maybe a little different picture there where they're in the furnace. We're not really sure if they see this fourth guy or not. It never says they see the fourth guy, but the king sure does. And other people see it. But it says they're walking around in this furnace. doesn't say they're standing there. They're actually walking around in the furnace where it's just hot. And it says the king comes up. Now, remember, the, the guys that took the, the uh, three guys there, they died. So you've got to imagine the king wasn't too close. And he was probably shouting, hey, guys, come on out. No, you come in and get us. No, seriously, come on out. And they walked out. They came out. And because of that, it says Nebuchadnezzar praises the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And who sent an angel to rescue the servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. And were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve and worship any gold except any God except their own God. And through that miraculous deliverance, the king eased up on the Israelites in captivity and gave them freedom to, freedom to worship and protected them from any harm's care. Here's the deal with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Earlier I said, imagine. They were proof. Their faith was severely tested. They demonstrated big faith out of the box. Seriously, you put this phrase, are you kidding me kind of faith? Because they had absolute confidence that there really is a God. He's a personal God, knew their names, and that their God walked beside them and promised to never leave them or forsake them and to see them through over and around everything that came their way. The fourth person is God. They really don't know. The angel, God, angel in there. But a, 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 good, a good picture of God being with them in the middle of it. God's miraculous intervention in a moment of crisis is never promised. You kind of read this story and wonder why this, why I can't, why, where's mine? Where's my furnace moment where I get, but he never promises this. And the reason he never promises he's going to, this intervention is always going to be the way we want it to be is because if it is, then there's no faith involved. There's no big faith. And if you're like me, that just means you'll go around and do dumb things thinking, oh, God will help me. God will take care of it. But as I was sharing earlier, God uses the, the messes, the, the tragedies, the hurts, the pains, as only he can in our lives to grow us and to help us with developing big faith. You see, God decided to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, not from the furnace. Some of us can identify with that, right? He didn't, he didn't rescue me from the issue, but he's walking me through it. The greatest barrier to us having big, out-of-the-box, are-you-kidding-me faith is not our circumstances, our past, our anyone's action. Rather, it's our lack of belief in God's sovereignty in our lives. Having supreme power and authority over all things, that he is truly in control, God's wisdom and his love for us. 
The truth of the matter is many times, I could speak for myself, I can't speak for you. Many times my action reveals my disbelief in God. And because of that, it hinders me from getting God's full power through my life. We're reminded in Scripture in Romans 1.17, the good news tells us that we are made right with God by faith in Him. Then by faith, we live that new life through Him. The holy writings say, a man right with God lives by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, look at the proud. They trust themselves. Their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. So the question is, how do we overcome the slack of belief or faith? How do we develop, move towards this big out-of-the-box, are you kidding me, faith in God? This is the part that we can look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we can tell the story in the historical content. But if that's all we do and we walk out with that, it doesn't change us. Wow, that, that, that furnace was really hot. 1,800 degrees. That's not going to change you. This is the moment where you take a look at the story and say, God, change me. God, I want that out of the box. Are you kidding me? Kind of faith. Show me. Number one, this is what we need to be about. Number one, ask God to help you overcome your belief, your disbelief, lack of faith, and to be so centered on him that when it does arise, difficulties arise, you immediately look for his help. Ask. Number one, ask. Go to God. God, I struggle with this. I want that kind of faith. I see it in your word. I even see it in other people's lives at times. But I, I just, it's just, I don't know. God, I want that in my life. Here's the deal. I want to warn you. If you pray that prayer... You're going to walk through some good, heavy-duty stuff. Because that's where God does His best work. Because that's where we are so helpless that all we can do is... And He says, okay. Like the fourth guy in the furnace, I'm with you. We need to be in His Word. Robert, we hear that every Sunday. Why? Because it's important. You need to be in his word. You need to be praying. You need to be talking to your creator. Every moment, every day. A.W. Tozier writes this. As God is exalted to the right place in our lives, as we place God in the right place of our life, a thousand problems are solved at once by putting God where he deserves to be in our lives. Not his number one priority. I struggle with that. Number one priority. Then that just means God's a priority? God is not a priority. God is your life. He's the core. He's not one of many priorities in your life that you just kind of stack up. And depending on how your life is going, life's good, God's three. Life's bad, God's one. Life's not so good, maybe two, one. And you're just kind of juggling God. If you're a Christ follower, God is your life. 
You need to come to grips with that. He's created you for a purpose. He's got a plan for your life. You need to own it. It's not simply this little step over the line of faith as I'm in heaven. It's step over the life. I'm God's now. I'm his. I say this to you because I need to hear it all the time. I'm at war, like many of you, with what I want and what God wants. You need to ask. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They exemplified the reality of what it means to exalt God to the right place in their lives. They lived out their big faith, their out-of-the-box faith with God. And here's how they did it. They knew, they meditated, and were followers of the Torah, their Bible at the time. First five books of the Old Testament. They knew it, inside and out. It wasn't a Sunday morning thing for them. It was their life. So let's two things. They probably were thinking, we don't know what they were going through their mind. But I'm pretty sure these two things were probably in there. What they would have read, what they would have known to be true is Exodus 20, 10 commandments. It says this, starting with verse 1. And God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. They knew that. That wasn't an option for them. Life's good. I'll worship any God I want to. Life's bad. Only one. No, that wasn't an option. One God, you only worship Him. So that was not an option. Then the second thing they would have read and known was Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. These commands I give to you to be on, the, to be on your hearts. They deeply knew, trusted, and had their eyes fixed on God. Their lives became an unbelievable reflection of what it means to be a follower of one true God, their creator. We are only seeing a reflection of that moment through God's word. And the reason they're in God's word is because God desired him, that story to be there. So then 2,600 years later, I could talk to you about it at Gateway Community Church and talk to you about faith, ultimate confidence in your creator. Number two, surrender your desire for control. I won't ask a show of hands. I can raise my hand because... I'm all about, I need to control things. If I can control things, that makes Robert happy. And God's up there, no, uh uh-uh. We need to understand, whenever and wherever God calls you, calls me to follow him in faith, he promises to support you every step of the way. And I like this, I love this next sentence. He assumes, God assumes full responsibility for your needs. And he is ready to equip you for whatever arises. Do you believe that? God is assuming full responsibility for you and your needs. And he is ready to equip you for that next thing. I know some of you are in the middle of that next thing. And it's not happy, happy. Some of you are in the middle of confusion, wondering what, 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 what? 
And God's saying, trust me. I'm assuming full responsibility here, and I'm going to give you what you need to get through it. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Earlier I asked how many of you grew up in the church. And for those of us who grew up in church, we have a tendency to uh, uh, read Scripture and then just kind of let it go. Maybe, you know, we... You know, stuff like Jeremiah 29, 11, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We just, maybe we've seen it too many times on Facebook. Like it. You know, and, we, and it just becomes white noise. We see it on a plaque. And, and these, these deep, rich, powerful scriptures just become part of the white noise in our life. We'll just scroll Facebook. Oh, look at that. Before I know the plans I have, okay. Oh, and Susie went to the zoo and Billy. And we, it just becomes part of the... And God says, slow it down. I wrote all this down for you because I want you to drink it in. Take it in. Meditate on it. Let it. Let these scripture. let this scripture. Some of you need to let uh, Isaiah 41.10 minister to you. So you need to slow it down and you need to allow that scripture to breathe new life into you. Because that's God's word. That's his word to you. I know a lot of times we say the word of God and you think the Bible, but these are actually the words of God. So when he says, fear not, this is God. This is God saying that. And we need to allow it to... to uh, bring freshness in to remind us who he is. Peace and comfort is only found in God and in his word. Rashak, Meshach, and Abednego allowed that. They surrendered the ultimate control of their life to God. They placed their very existence, whether they lived or died, in the hands of God. That really happened. Those three guys are real. They existed. They had a moment of time where they knew they were most likely going to die. And they had a choice. And they decided, I'm going I'm to believe ultimate confidence in my God. Number three. Remember, Jesus is worthy of our trust because of who he is, what he's done, and is doing. And I realize I didn't put this on your notes, so write as fast as you can. Here we go. He is our Savior, Lord, life giver, protector, provider, counselor, sustainer, redeemer, on and on. And on. He's a lot of things in our lives, people. We need to remember, I'm preaching this sermon to me more than you. We need to remember that. For those that are only about three words in, and you go, oh, I'm going to say it again. Here we go. Savior, Lord, life giver, protector, provider, counselor, sustainer, redeemer. I'm sure there are people out there, when I said a certain one of those, it resonated with you big time. 
You know why it resonated with you big time? Because God's spirit said, whammo, you need to hear this. Take it away. Take it with you as you walk out. I am your sustainer. Whammo, I'm your provider. Some of you, you need to hear today because you haven't made that step of faith. Step of faith. You need to hear, I'm your savior. You need to take that step of faith today. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego staked their very lives on knowing what they knew to be true about their creator. I don't think we'll, I can't say this for sure in a group this size, I don't think any of us will ever need to stake our life on that. But these three guys did. But there will be times in your life where it'll feel like that. Again, in a group this size, your life's just not where you want it right now. You're wondering, you're here just simply to get a break from whatever's going on in your life. My hope and prayer is that you walk away with, with something that God can use in your life. This morning, I want to encourage you, challenge you to start moving towards that out-of-the-box big faith. Are you kidding me? I want to be able to say that in my life. Are you kidding me, God? This is, what? Because as you reflect that, others will see it. Who doesn't, who doesn't want that kind of faith? Seriously. I want to be able to walk out here with that ultimate confidence, with the, the imagine the faith, out of the box, no fear. I'm ready to charge at God. And I'm just going to trust you in everything. When things get worse, I'm going to trust you. When things crumble, I'm going to trust you. When I don't understand why, I'm going to trust you. When I don't know what my next step is, that's okay. I'm going to trust you. Because you do. Do you want that? Because God wants that for you. It's not his problem. He, he'll do it. He wants so badly to do that in your life. You just need to make the steps forward and to claim it. Not out of blind, ignorant faith. Okay, God, whatever you want. Not that kind of faith. A faith that has power or knowledge behind it. You know who God is. You're going to grab a hold of that this week? And you're going to say, because if you do pray that prayer and say, God, help me through and keep my eyes on you, you say, okay, here we go. You be ready. I had a week of, okay, here we go. It's your turn. As you leave today, I want you to think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're out of the box. Are you kidding me kind of faith that God wants for you to have? Not just a faith, but he wants you to have in him. Because he is worthy of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. How it challenges us, me. And how we need to be people that move closer and closer to understanding 
knowing, living out, ultimate confidence in you. You are the creator. You created not only this world, but you created me, Robert. You created each of these people individually, uniquely as they are created. And you created them for a purpose, and that purpose is to love you and to trust you in all aspects of your lives, of their lives. May we be people that do that. Maybe we be a church that does that. We have ultimate confidence in you, God, because you are worthy of that. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, as always, we have our prayer team right here. Hey, this morning, if you are truly going through a difficult time, come forward and get prayer. Talk to God about it. Randy and I will be right over here for those of first-timers. If you have just came here or you brought a friend, hey, bring them on by. We'd love to meet them. And go out, have big faith. Hey, and if you have a story where you have a, I can't even believe it kind of moment, you come and share it with me next Sunday. Can you do that? I look forward to the stories. All right, have a good Sunday. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.